Hello, I am Katerina Sliva. I am a partner at Dentons in the Real Estate Group. I am also the head of our Land Use Planning, Municipal and Development Law Group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. I am also your host for the Smart Cities Chat Podcast Series, brought to you by Dentons. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the Smart Cities space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast. Good afternoon all. I'm joined today with Nama Blonder, who is an architect and urban designer located in Toronto, Ontario, and is the co-founder of the architect firm Smart Density. Committing her knowledge to smart and affordable urban planning and the re-education of the North American multifamily housing market, Nama has a bold vision, which is to change what good housing can and should look like in a growing city like Toronto. Thank you for joining us today, Nama. Thank you for having me. So let's get started with our discussion. Nama, how would you define what smart density is? (laughs) So first of all, I would say that smart, it definitely doesn't have to be about technology. The smartest cities that I've visited are the ones that, you know, kids are welcome there. They have, uh, it's a safe environment for them. Uh, it's where seniors have can age in place. So it's really sometimes it's the dumbest things. And when I say dumbest, I obviously mean low tech and uh, easy, sometimes pretty easy things to implement. Um, and the way we design our streets, our neighborhoods and our cities to welcome everyone. I completely agree with you. Smart cities and smart density doesn't always have to have a focus on technology. It's more definitely focused on safe environments and easy implementation of what the smart city should look like. So in your perspective, do you think smart density encourages smart mobility in terms of different modes of transportation or different infrastructure? There's definitely a direct relation between where we live and how we live and how we move around. So oftentimes when I go to community open house and, you know, I, for example, uh, our project uh, brought up or proposed zero parking requirements way before the city of Toronto waived it two years ago. And then I had community members asking me, do you expect us to believe that people could live without a car? And my answer was like, always, yes, yes, I expect you to believe that not only that, I myself raised my, I raised my, my two children, uh, and we don't own a car, we take transit everywhere, we take Uber occasionally if I need to, I have a, a you know, a, a kind of a, Uh, the membership for if I need a car, but I don't use a car daily. Uh, We ride our bikes a lot in in that part of the city. And I think that is crucial for the way we design our cities to change that mindset of people, especially in North America, to say, how can I ever live without my car? And I I also want to, to bring up that phrase that we say, 
cars are not like shoes. You don't have to wear them every time you leave your home. And uh, that, mindset, that, <laughs> that mindset, uh, I am working very hard for that cultural shift in mind that we can rely more on transit, riding our bike everywhere as, as long as we, as we can and it feels safe. And yes, we need to invest more in infrastructure, uh, but we can't the disconnect between smart density and smart mobility. And yes, even if it's soft mobility, like walking, cycling uh, and taking transit. I definitely agree with the statement that a decrease in car usage can lead to significant advantages such as a decrease in traffic congestion. I could promise you that I would not drive every single day if that meant sitting in less hours of traffic. Exactly. And you know, I, I love this saying, you're not stuck in traffic, you are traffic. And we think about the amount of time that are at, at least, you know, my, my parents, my father, I'm looking at that generation, that assumption of commuting um, to work. Now, with uh, the, the amount of traffic that because of population growth, our generation gets to experience, we really need to question that. Do we want to commute for so long for work? Because once you even, you know what, let's take um, 90 minutes per direction, which unfortunately is not that unheard of. You spend three hours of your day driving and again that's not even the extreme that and that is also assuming there's no traffic uh, jams on on the way to work or from from work and then you you start to you know do the math and three hours a day that's one eighth of your day so it means basically that by the time you are 80 years old you spend 10 years straight full 10 years of your life just commuting and you know you look at those uh car advertising advertisements on tv they always sell you like you know driving in in nature these beautiful roads just you and the road but that's not the reality the reality is that you're just stuck in traffic and you don't get to spend that time with your kids or family or whatever it is doing yoga i don't care but living close to where you work or having that trade-off of, yes, maybe it's going to be a smaller space. I'm not saying you can have it all. Uh, but if you can live closer to where you work, you get that time back. And for me, it's, you know, being more with my very young children or, you know, whatever it is. Again, yoga, I don't care, whatever. But you get some time back. Spending the time where it really matters. Exactly. To you. Exactly. So definitely smart cities, smart density, and smart mobility could save cities and their respective industries billions of dollars in terms of productivity, emission, and fuel costs, really. I know we just went over a list of problems, but have you come across any additional problems in terms of where there is no smart density or a lack of smart density, what other problems you've come across um, aside from traffic congestion and emission problems? Yeah. I truly believe that it's about the lifestyle you choose for yourself. So, you know, again, I'm taking it to the, my personal story. We 
recently moved. I, I had another baby a year ago, and we moved to a three-bedroom uh, apartment, condo apartment. And in the same week, my best friend also moved to a three-bedroom, but it was uh, a three-bedroom, four-bath in the suburbs, um, three levels, which is also my my always my point that I don't see how a three-level house is more child-friendly than a flat, but that's out of not necessarily the point and she had to buy another car the same day so you know spend some more on that and and we one day we had dinner and we we calculated how much they spend on not just the cost of the car but gas insurance loss of value and that entire amount was more than what my family and hers spend on our annual vacation um so it's that, again, it's that mindset. And you're saying, you know, where else do we, it raises challenges to, to the cities, that suburban lifestyle that, uh, especially in North America, we think that, oh, we have kids, so we have to move to the suburbs. And as you probably picked up from my accent, I wasn't born in, in North America. I wasn't born in Canada. And I'm coming from, you know, other parts of the world uh, that, you know, you don't really need to convince me that living in an apartment is a, a, a legit way to, to live and raise, raise uh, a family. And unfortunately, I'm still finding myself having this discussion again and again in the North American context. So everything, the, the, cho the choice that you're making about your lifestyle and about the you know, um, mobility, hence a car or, or not owning a car, they all tie together. And we can't discuss one without discussing the other and their implications. I agree. You can't discuss one without discussing the other. They go hand in hand. And you know what I also agree with? I would give up my car if it meant I could go on a better vacation every year with my family. <laughs> so exactly. are there any sustainable smart solutions that cities can integrate into existing or new infrastructure to optimize the mobility of people and goods? You know, I want to take the to answer this actually in the context of areas that are now being invested in transit. So new infrastructure, new transit is coming to the area and they're not um, in the core of the city um, uh, in, in their current uh, in their current condition. So what I mean basically is that at least in Ontario, we we have the Go expansion project, and the Go is uh, is basically our heavy heavy rail, right? Heavy rail system, and uh, there are new Go stations that are being built. And uh, Smart Density, my my firm, we're now working on a new neighborhood, designing a new neighborhood near one of those future Go stations, and we basically have the opportunity to rewrite the rules if you think about it because again it's an area that will be developed in the future and in the long term as well and we approached uh with our clients and to you know uh, uh give give them credit brookfield properties the municipality with a really bold vision on how the, the street network could work on that site. And we came up with a menu 
of street typologies that some of them really question the status quo of how we design streets. So uh, a third of the streets in this neighborhood, we actually propose to be completely car free. Third of them would be car light or shared streets. And the, the, the remaining third would be the more traditional vehicle uh, streets. And with that, we were able to come up with, a first of all, something that everyone calls it more European inspired. It feels different. It's, and, and at the end of the day, it will be a different product that our client could bring to the market that will really stand out. And I think also on the buyer, the, you know, the end user, the people are going to live there. It's going to be a charming neighborhood, unlike any of the other cookie cutter, you know, transit oriented development that we say we develop with people first mindset, but it's actually still very much car dominant, dominant, although it's near transit and many of them won't use the car as much. So it, it really, there are opportunities in, and I think it's really important to get it right now and to, to get it now and to get it right, because these things, yes, are going to be developed over 25 years. But if we don't get it right now, we're just basically making it harder to the future generation to make better house choices that perhaps you and I, Diana, don't have as much. I agree. Going back to your point about the car-free streets, how would this work? Would there be the option of transit ridership or would it be completely transit-free, car-free? So the, imagine uh, the network of this specific uh, neighborhood, you will have it all. So fully accessible by car and some of them are car lights where you can access with your car, but you would have to drive much, much slower, like 10 kilometers per hour, like something really for just for the purpose of accessing your uh, unit. And the car free uh, are the are commercial spines. Uh, and, uh, and it's because we really wanted to create a certain atmosphere. And I also, um, I want to, it's not just about cars or excluding cars. I just want to make it clear that I don't hate cars for the sake of hating cars. And it's not at all that. It's just about what you achieve when you deprioritize the presence of the car. So first of all, you also achieve a much healthier environment, a much healthier neighborhood for the environment and also for the the, the people who are going to live there. So imagine those, you know, if, if, if I can walk you or take you to, you know, other parts of the world, think about those really charming old European cities where the street is also much narrower, right? Like imagine Rome, for example, you have uh, areas in, inside Rome that would be completely uh, inaccessible to the car. And they will be first and foremost for retail and restaurants and coffee shops. So imagine this is the, the atmosphere that we wanted to achieve. Now, unfortunately, we all want to do that. We all, all designers want to bring that charm to their master plans or their projects. But when you do that and you have a four lane street with cars between, you know, the two sides of the street, you can't, the charm is lost, it's gone. 
so we ask ourselves, how can we bring that, that back? So yes, the, everything is completely accessible uh, by car. There is no unit that cannot uh, have a, a parking spot, but those streets in that new neighborhood will be for pedestrian and cycling only. And they are much narrower than your typical street. Um, and I can bring you some uh, images to if you can uh, find a way to upload some JPEGs, I think uh, it will be make everything much easier than me describing it uh, kind of blindly. Um, and, uh, and everything is much narrower, we call this approach scaling down the scaling down approach. Uh, why do we need to assume that everything needs to be so oversized? Everything is just so wide if we think of some streets that are not even the widest streets in a in a new transit oriented community and they are four lanes or six lanes how is that pedestrian friendly how am i supposed to cross a six lane street to let's say access the station or you know another thing that we said uh that we want to create those safety zones for children that I, as a, as a young mother, would know that my kids could walk around safe, safely in a wide range uh, or, or a radius from my home. Now, um, uh, and, and something that, you know, today in cities, we're definitely struggling with that. Um, so for going back to the car-free street, it's really about the atmosphere and what type of a feeling and charm you're trying to achieve. Uh, and and part of a big part of it was again the scaling down component. We need we could have narrower streets. That makes complete sense, and I agree with you when you say that a bunch of these neighborhoods do target the European charm, the European feel. However, that charm and that feel is completely lost when you then introduce four lanes of traffic. Then it's all about traffic congestion. And that feeling of like calmness and safety for your children is essentially lost because of your main focus is traffic congestion and not the charm of where you're where you're located, really. Exactly. We can only have one in, in you know, sometimes it's just about prioritizing the right thing, which is, you know, pedestrians and, and cyclers and, you know, a lot of the times your typical street would be have it all, the car, the, the bike lane, the, the sidewalk. And no, we have the opportunity. So in this street, for example, we deconstructed all these elements and we didn't propose a bike lane on the traditional vehicle road. Why? Because it's obviously less safe and we have enough streets that are completely car free or car light that the cyclist could feel safe there. And I ride my bike a lot. And I can tell you that I will always choose a street with a bike lane if there isn't any. But if I had the choice of riding on a trail with no cars, I would definitely take that option. So here we actually had, again, that opportunity of rewriting some of the rules. And uh, if we had the, op the option to deconstruct the, and, and detach the bike lane from the road, we, we absolutely went for it. So my last question for you is, were there any projects that you were involved in that aren't confidential that you can speak about where you saw smart density and smart mobility work hand in hand together? 
So, you know, I just, I, I, we just covered one of our most exciting projects and that project allowed us as a young, relatively young firm to come up with a concept uh, that we call the scale, the scaling down concept where we said, you know, and it's something when I talk about it to client with clients and the public, everyone had this great aha moment of saying, Yes, that is exactly a problem. And I think sometimes you feel something in your stomach, but you're not able to really point it out. And that project uh, that with uh, with the new neighborhood near future GO station allowed us to develop that design method. And we are now applying it on different master plans. We work on another 45 acre master plan uh, of uh, employment land conversion, which is another big thing in uh, here in the city in post uh, areas, uh, properties in the city that were in the past completely for industrial use are now uh, the city is actually allowing them to convert to mixed use. So basically allowing to add residential uh, uses to them. These are big properties that with the scaling down method, we are designing neighborhoods that look and feel different, even in just a 2D plan or in a renderings it really stands out. So um, these are some of the other projects I, I can't yet speak to, but it's definitely a method uh, that we are working on in, in the office. Uh, and it's just because we, we had an opportunity to question some of the things that I think many of us, too many of us take for granted. Right. Well, I look forward to hearing more about these projects when you're able to speak about them because it sounds like some exciting stuff is coming. And I just wanted to thank you for your time today. This was a great discussion. Thank you. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group will be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our smart cities chat podcast series.